This is The Guardian. This week, Politics Weekly UK is in the Yorkshire constituency of Selby and Ainsty, where Rishi Sunak could lose a once rock-solid seat to Labour. I think they see it as an opportunity to give Westminster a bit of a kick up the bottom. But with Keir Starmer telling the public that there's no money to spend, will voters buy whatever it is he's selling? If we promise to do things that we can't then evidence how we're going to pay, we will get hammered. Or after 13 years of the Conservatives in power, could we finally be seeing a sea change? I'm John Harris and you're listening to Politics Weekly UK for The Guardian. We are in Selby in Yorkshire, about half an hour's drive from York, which is a, a pretty old market town, but its modern history is really interesting. Because Selby sits on or, or next to what used to be called Megawatt Valley, which is like a great expanse of flat land where there were three huge coal-fired power stations, Ferrybridge, Egborough and Drax. And they were here because of the Yorkshire coal field. So Selby has a past in coal and therefore traditionally has an affinity with the Labour Party but it sits at one edge of a constituency which up to now has had a huge Tory majority where there is now a by-election one of three happening on Thursday Uh, so it's hard to say in this drizzly weather whether you know by-election fever grips everybody here it's not quite gripping me Sarah and Megan seem to share my lack of enthusiasm about these by-elections. We're making a podcast about the by-election here on Thursday. I have no idea. Do you live here? <laughs> Can we talk I to you for a minute? I understand politics or nothing Do you live here? here? Yeah, I do. You live in Selby? Yeah. yeah. Are you going to vote? No, I don't know how to. I'm not a clue. What is it about? Voted. What is it yeah. about? Well, you had a Conservative MP here who um, who's resigned in protest seemingly at the fact that he, he didn't get a seat in the House of Lords and so you have to have a new election now to select a new MP. Do I have to vote? No. How do I vote? You turn up at a polling station with some ID. You should have had a polling card. Can I ask you another question? How's life at the minute? I can't swear. I can't. Yeah. Crap. <laughs> crap. Yeah, really crap? crap. It's just crap. Go on. Every day is a different, different problem, you isn't get, it? And it's all revolves around good. money. Things start getting good and then yeah, ten things go bad. What things happen day to day? We've got kids as well, haven't we? So it's harder because you can't... I'm working and you're just not doing anything with your life and then you're still left for nothing constantly. Working, working, working and then things go shit and then... Yeah. That's it. What do you do? Deliveries. Do you? Yeah. What, like uh, stuff people have ordered online you deliver? That kind of thing. God, okay. And so, excuse me asking... Like in a given week, how much do you make? About 300, yeah, about 300. But it has to go towards extra, like on top of obviously your universal credit and stuff like that. So you you were just literally, you're left with nothing. Presumably then you just get in debt over time, do you? Well, the problem is as well, if you've already got debt and then you're trying to live now, it's even harder because you're trying to pay back debt. And when you're somebody that doesn't miss a payment for that sort of thing, and then you're trying to live on what they expect you to live on now, whilst having some sort of life, but you can't have a life. No. What's your housing situation? Um, I'm in the council house. You're, are you in the council? So you live in social housing? Okay. See, it ought to be politicians that we look to for an answer to that, right? 
I mean, they go on about the cost of living crisis. Yeah. There's a by-election on Thursday, and you're, it, it's not really registered with you. You're, no, I mean, I just don't. I just don't really. I think whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Like, oh. while I get involved. How do you think we got health service and a welfare state and all that? I mean, politics occasionally That's does sort of deliver. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I just think we can try fight against like all of it, but. I know they always say, like, what's one person going to change? It's just, they're going to do what they're going to do. It's not going to change. It just get, seems to get worse. It's not going to get better. They're not going to... It's going to get harder. Yeah, it's going to get harder. It is, 100%. What keeps you going? Kids. <laughs> and my wife. Kids. My wife. Yeah. How many kids you got? Four between us. Wow. Okay. You've got your hands full. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a sign of the high stakes around this seat that so many volunteers and big Labour Party figures have come to Selby. We spot Lisa Nandy, Andrew Gwynn, and hovering outside the local Greggs, we find the MP for Barnsley Central and former mayor for the Sheffield City region, Dan Jarvis. You're from this part of the world. Yeah. What's your sense of, of what people feel about life, the economy, the future and all that here at the moment? Well, they're pretty fed up. They're pretty fed up with the fact that the previous Tory MP, uh, and by the way, there isn't anything that they can point to that he's actually done for them, flounced off because he didn't get a peerage. So in the middle of a cost of living crisis, when people, in many cases for the first time in their lives, are really struggling to make ends meet, their MP did a runner because he didn't get a peerage. So people, understandably, aren't very happy about that. So there's a lot of concern about national issues um, and the impact of the cost of living crisis. There's also a sense that there's an opportunity to give someone a go. So our candidate, Keir Mather, is... He's only 25. I mean, he, he literally is a fresh face. <laughs> a fresh face and a fresh start. And what he said, and I think it's quite intelligent the way that he's phrased it, yeah. is give him a go. But if you don't think that he's doing a good job, if he gets elected, yeah. you're going to get another vote in, in, a, a, year's, year's in a year's time. Vote for me, I'm on probation sort of thing. Well, he, he is saying, lend me your vote. Do you think it's hard getting people engaged and excited about the by-election when the Labour Party's message is we're not going to spend any extra money when we, if we get in, things are going to carry on being tough, the money's run out, you're going to have to wait. That's quite a difficult message to sell as a sort of change message. With, with great respect, I don't think that is quite the message. That's that, exactly what I took from Keir Starmer's appearance it, on the media yesterday. It's exactly what you took uh, from Keir Starmer's appearance on, on the media yesterday. I think um, with... Uh, did, it uh, risk, you, did it fill you full of excitement and, and here we go sort of I think what, what, what it did and what it will do for millions of people around the country who were watching it will give a sense that we are not going to promise to do things unless we can see a way to do it. Now, I know that that's not popular, and some people would like us to promise all sorts of different things. Not all sorts of different things, but a way out of the crisis, rather than saying, well, you're going to have to wait because there isn't any money and reform is the only answer, and we're not quite clear what that is. It's just, it would be, I think, the Labour Party would be better off with a clearer, more vivid message right now. But I'm not I, I, quite here. That is an entirely reasonable challenge. We are still, though, potentially more than a year from a general election and I think in terms of the sort of the, the policy detail that's come out there's been a greater volume of it for better or for worse than has been the case previously running up to, to elections so I, I get your point and I understand what, what you're saying there's always this really difficult challenge between retaining some sort of sense of, of, of fiscal credibility because yeah. if we promise to do things that we can't then evidence how we're going to pay we will get hammered 
for doing it. So we've got to find that sort of sweet spot between demonstrating that we've got the basis of a, a, a change programme that will do things in a different way, yeah. whilst at the same time, frankly, not scaring the horses. OK. It, what are you doing now? Well, I'm going into Greg's now for a cup of tea. You're good, very welcome a to... A good rooted politician who begins the day at Greg's. In, in, indeed, indeed. Start. Begins and, and finishes the day. The thing to understand about Selby is... Yes, it forms one part of this constituency with a massive Conservative majority, but it has a history bound up with the Labour Party and the Labour movement, this town, not the whole constituency, right? And in Selby, that, that's all about coal mining. So in 1976, the Duchess of Kent opened the first coal field in the UK to be developed in 70 years here, right? And this was when Tony Benn, who was the Secretary of State for Energy, talked about restoring King Coal to his throne in this country. Um, and they said that the new coal mine here would open in the early 80s and they were looking ahead to it producing 10 million tonnes of coal a year for 40 years. So the idea was that now, in this alternative history that never happened, they would still have been digging coal out of the ground here. And, it, and it, of course, all that got squashed. It never happened. It's a tremendous shock to Selby. You imagine, here's the future, you're at the centre of it, and then less than 10 years later, no, sorry, we've changed our minds. You know... It takes a long time for places to recover from that. That's a politi profoundly political thing as well. So whenever people talk about how they're going to vote and all that, if they're from that background and they remember that history, that's going to be central to it all. Wendy and Paula retired. They lived in the area for Dying. years. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I wonder how you feel about the by-election on Thursday. Um, Conservatives won't be getting his vote, let's put it like that. Go on. Well, they've made a mess of things, lying and, well, the country's in a state. The, the country's worse now than it's ever been. Yeah. You think so? I know. Yeah, NHS, everything. Have you voted Conservative in the past? No, I haven't, no. I did last time, only against Jeremy Corbyn. Right, so you voted when Boris Johnson was the, was yes, the Prime Minister? but it were only uh, against Jeremy Corbyn because he was rubbish. At the yeah. time. And tell me why. So what, what didn't you like about Jeremy Corbyn enough that you voted Conservative? Because he were all for strikes and everything about him were wrong. OK. But you voted for Boris Johnson. It were either don't mean, go or... You you're one of the people who got us in the mess. Well, <laughs> you, you didn't. You voted for Jeremy Corbyn, but I just thought, well, I don't want him in. Right. But, but do you regret voting Conservative now? Boris were all right until, like, um, with COVID and all the lies. But I don't think we've got anybody any better in now. What about, what about Keir Starmer? What do you think of him? He's all right. I vote Labour. I don't like Keir Starmer. What don't you like about Keir Starmer? I just don't think he appeals to people. Not like Tony Blair, people like that in the past. What's he lacking? Charisma is one thing, and, and it doesn't it doesn't make contact with people. All right. So, notwithstanding the fact that he's not the most charismatic person in the world, we'll take that as red. Do you feel like he's offering you any hope? More hope. Yeah, yeah. More hope than the Tories. It's not hard, though, is it? It's not. No, no. <laughs> but I'm, I'll be honest with you. I think politics at the moment is very, very low in this country. I really do. It's not doing it for you, really. No. What do you want the Labour Party to be like? I, I want the NHS to look a lot better. I like poverty dealing with. Obviously, migrants, it's just totally out of hand at the moment. It really is. 
<laughs> you don't think um, we need, but you don't think we need people from abroad to work in the NHS? One of the re- if it weren't for them, NHS would be worse. There's genuine people, and obviously the people that are coming in buying the boats. We've got to stop these migrants coming in. So tell me about Selby. Have you lived here a long time. Thirty-five years. So do you remember when the pits were open? It. You were a miner. I was, yeah. Twenty-two right. years. How does Selby now compare to Selby then? Um, well, as you can see, not very good, unfortunately. It was a thriving town with everything. Green grocers, you name it, with absolutely size street. What a pleasure to walk down. Not anymore. Since the pits closed, that was the yeah. that was yeah, the point. Yeah. A lot of places are the same now, aren't there? Your, your, your towns. Yeah, are come back from that. No. Sort of no. Shock. Yeah. Right. Were you in the strike? I was. Yeah. Twelve months. Wow. You were out the whole time. Yeah. I have a theory. That's when everything changed. You know. Yeah, possibly. That's when the unions and the Labour Party really got beat. Yeah. And and everything that's, that's happened since sort of started then. Yeah. Yeah. So in the past you would have felt optimistic about the future. There must have been a point when you did, right? I'm sensing you don't now. No, because things are that low. The cost of living is that dear. We've now gone on to a pension. What's your pension? Bit time you've paid your bills. You've got nothing left. Yeah, yeah. You know, even though you've got a work pension, then you're taxed. You can't win. Well, sorry, because people can't afford an house now. The mortgages are just so expensive. And you could, right? At the time I could, because obviously I was a coal miner. It was a reasonably well paid job? It was at the time, yeah. yeah, yeah. Outside Labour's headquarters, groups of party activists are preparing themselves to go off and canvas. Before we came here, we tried to arrange interviews with the Conservative candidate Claire Holmes and Labour's pick, 25-year-old Keir Mathers. Neither party agreed to the request, but when Keir popped his head out of Labour's HQ, we managed to ask him a couple of questions. Oh, it's the candidate. Oh, we're from The Guardian. Hello. Can I ask you one quick question? Uh, Yeah, sure. For our podcast. You're 25, right? I am, yeah. Wow. I barely knew how to tie my own shoelaces when I was 25. (laughs) What makes you want to be an MP? I think it's public service, you know. I think people in Selby and Ainstead deserve someone who's got kind of energy, determination, fresh ideas. And that's why I've been working really hard to deliver this entire campaign. And I think people kind of want a fresh start. They want someone who's local and is taking a real interest in the local area and people's priorities. And, you know, something I've been really proud to fight for but throughout the campaign. you're from here, right? I'm from 20 minutes away, so I'm from a town called Bruff. So next stop along on the train. But I grew up in quite a rural village as well, so I know what it's like personally to, you know, not have a bus that shows up, struggle to get a GP appointment, yeah. lack of economic opportunity for young people. Okay. Yeah. And if people say, if, just one thing, if people switch on the TV and the Labour Party says we haven't got any money, right, mm-hmm. how does that fit with your pledges? How do you deliver that when there isn't any money? Yeah, I think I've shown that a Labour MP, if I was elected here, can make a difference from day one. So on the cost of living crisis, I've pledged to set up financial support hubs across this constituency, allowing people to access expert advice. And, you know, I think there is a lot to be said for just having someone who's going to show up, be in your corner, offer that helping hand and kind of give you the support you need. And that's something that I'd like to do from day one if I am elected. And if you, and if you, just one, all right, right. that's all right, we did all right. Thank you. At least we got him. He, I, I didn't. I mean, we didn't really get an answer to the second question. He looked a bit nervous, didn't he? But he's in absolute. Can you imagine? You have to feel some degree of I don't know what the word is really empathy for living that sort of life over a long period, you know. But the cold fact is that the Tory majority here is twenty thousand. Everything suggests that they're seeing this as a highly marginal seat. He's been the candidate 
for weeks, months, right? And here he is. This is the absolute moment of maximum tension. And he's only 25. <laughs> when I was 25, I used to go out reviewing bands for a living, right? And, you know, most of the time I was either drunk or hung over. You know, the idea that I would be a member of Parliament... <laughs> The World Cup is here, and can you hear that? That's the sound of you missing out. Drop everything you're doing, unless you're driving, and tune into the Guardian Women's Football Weekly podcast, because with even more teams and more living legends than ever before, this is one hell of a World Cup. To keep up with all the action, we'll be doing three episodes a week for the entirety of the tournament, you lucky things. We'll have the usual guests and lots of new voices. Join us, Suzanne Rack and Faker Others, and listen to the Guardian Women's Football Weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Mit Asana behalten Sie unzählige Details an einem Ort im Blick. So können Sie und Ihr Team sich auf die wirklich wichtigen Aufgaben und Ziele konzentrieren. Jetzt kostenlos testen auf asana.com. We're now driving from Selby to Church Fenton. And what really hits you straight away is that this is traditionally a very solid Tory seat for a reason, right? It's a rural place. There are towns, but it takes you a long time to drive from one to the other. It's a very spread out constituency. And most of what we can see at the moment is woods, fields and the odd house, right? It's not the sort of place you associate with political upsets, shall we say, right? It's strong in its loyalties. Up to now... You know, politically, it's been much the same as it ever was. That's what a lot of rural seats are like. But we're at an interesting point in the political cycle, aren't we, where the government is clearly running out of steam. Tory MPs know it. They're all announcing that they're standing down. And uh, I think people know it as well, don't they? This is a sort of a change moment. Even here. <laughs> I came to Church Fenton 10 years ago when I followed the proposed HS2 train line all the way here and spoke to people whose homes were being threatened, either with becoming almost impossible to live in or unsellable. As we walk into the local community shop, I recognise the woman behind the counter, Jo Mason, who I spoke to back then. I might have met you before. I wrote a piece about HS2. Did I come around your house? Yes. I did, didn't I? Yes, so you're not... John Harris. It was That's 10 years ago. It was 10 years ago. I sat in your house and we had a long conversation. Are you? Even though they've cancelled it, they haven't actually cancelled it. So the line is still there. So if anybody wants to sell and they go for um, an infrastructure check, which they do, an infrastructure check search, it still yeah. comes up. So we're still living with the blight of the it. The point is that the saga of HS2, even though as far as you understand it, HS2 here has been cancelled, the saga's not over. Goes on. If you 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 go up, you do the infrastructure search. Yeah. Psh, the lines are still there, and that puts people off. Obviously. Will you get a final word at some point saying it's not going to happen. Your guess is your guess is as good as mine. Oh. And obviously, the whole country are paying for the but damn it says thing. says something weird about how badly our system of government works. That's exactly the point I wanted to make to you today. <laughs> that, that you're sort of out of the mess, but you're not because you're still in it. Because no one can make a decision, wow. they're just paralysed by indecision. Because no, they just want to stay in there, hang on for their pensions, keep their head down. You can't get anybody to make a decision about anything. We're a community shop. Everybody 
Joe is one of the directors of a team of volunteers who make sure people here can buy everything from homemade pies to newspapers. That also means she's got a good overview of Church Fenton's politics. So how do you feel about the by-election? It's the community shop. We're here for all the community. Yeah. And therefore, we don't really engage in politics with a capital P. What about P. you in a personal capacity? Well, I don't want to say who I'm voting for because I'm not here in a personal capacity. I'm here representing... I'm in the shop and I'm um, part of the management committee of the shop and uh, director of the shop, so... And I'm also a parish councillor who stood as an independent. How do people feel locally about the violation? I've spoken to people. I think they see it as an opportunity to give Westminster a bit of a kick up the bottom. And I think that is felt across the political divide. And I think that there are many people who would be your classic Tory voter, but they're not happy with a lot of things. What aren't they happy with? I think the first thing that would come to mind would be the behaviour of politicians. I think that's the biggest thing. And that spreads the political divide, whether you come in here to buy your Daily Mail or your Guardian or your Star or your Times that is the feedback I get and I speak to hundreds of people every week and because you're selling newspapers and there's headlines, it does come up a lot in conversation. Yeah, and, you're, you're, and the, the Tory MP who stood down here was very associated with Boris Johnson, right? He was one of Boris Johnson's gang, so to speak. I can't speak for everybody, but speaking for myself, he was uh, uh, disappointing to us with HS2. He didn't stand up for his constituents. You know, it was abstaining. It was not attending votes. Uh, and so that didn't go down well with a lot of people. So you got sort of Partygate, the general atmosphere of sleaze and scandal, HS2. Anything yes. else? Uh, lots of other things as well. I think people are very worried about the NHS, and I think that's across the political divide. Uh, GP appointments more or less kind of evaporated. If you, if you say don't say it's urgent, you're looking at three weeks to see a GP. Yeah, are, and these are the things that are come up in conversation day in, day out in the shop across the political spectrum. I think uh, that these things are kind of universally bothering people. Wow. But you said something really interesting among several a moment ago about people's mood, which you sort of see every day in the mm -hmm. shop. You said you use the word anger, right? Mm -hmm. Now, sight unseen, you wouldn't think Church Fenton was a place full of angry people, right? It's quite idyllic here. It's a nice yes, part of the world. Okay. You know, people live in quite nice houses. The mm -hmm. landscape's really nice. That is, are you surprised by that, that people are angry? Or is it, did the anger arrive in Church Fenton sometime in the past and people have been unsettled and, and sceptical about politics ever since? I think there's part of that. I think when you're a community that faces some big issues, it does politicise people. And, and did it, that start with HS2 here? Um, yes, it was HS2. There were a few issues before then, you know, new town threats. Um, we've been threatened with new towns. We've been threatened with telephone masks in the middle of the village. Just various things. People do get a little bit more politicised. But I think that anger is across the board. You know, I think people keep coming back to people were dying on their own. People couldn't be with their loved ones dying and these people were partying. And I don't think wh who you are, what age you are, that grips people in a bad way. And I think there's a lot of anger about, about that kind of one rule for us, one rule for them is, is something that comes up all the time. Really vivid story. It's the most vivid sort of political story there. Mm -hmm. And then, so on an average morning, I don't hear. I don't know that you can answer this. But how many Daily Mails do you sell? 
I can got a sheet with all the numbers Have on. Our, our biggest seller is the Weekend Yorkshire Post. Okay. Let's hear it for Yorkshire. And then our next biggest seller is the Daily Mail, followed by the Times, followed by the Telegraph, followed by... Oh, the Guardian, sorry, no. the Guardian Stroke Observer. Um, we come in a modest fourth or fifth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just to mention the weather has suddenly turned yet again and we're in the middle of another downpour. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so that's interesting. Oh, that's windows. interesting. Yeah. So your biggest daily sales are of the... Are of the Mail, the Times, the Telegraph, sounds like. And the Yorkshire Post, right? Yorkshire Post tops it. Right, so if people who buy those sort of newspapers are angry and brassed off with the government, that tells you something. Yes, definitely. Thank you. You're welcome. A pound, please. Thank you very much. It's hard to overstate how seriously both the Conservatives and Labour are taking this by-election. Church Fenton, we see groups of Labour and Conservative canvassers striding from house to house. Alex Shellbrook, who represents the neighbouring seat of Elmer and Rothwell, is canvassing in a nearby housing development. Brilliant. You're up against it here, aren't you? Politically, not you personally, but the Conservative Party. Well, it's certainly, I mean, it's certainly a tough campaign. Um, I think by elections always are going to be um, tough campaigns because they get that much focus and certainly there are sets of circumstances that people are upset with Nigel resigning like that so I mean you have to sort of overcome those issues yeah. as well. We've been speaking to, to members of the public all day right and the two things that come up are life is economically impossible and I'm worried about the future of the country and they mentioned the NHS specifically housing a bit too right mm -hmm. and if you've been in power for 13 years that inevitably makes life politically extremely difficult. Certainly, as you say, we've been in power 13 years and there are um, issues people are contending with. But as you've seen, when you think, well, where do people um, take their vote? I mean, Labour yesterday has said, look, we're not going to spend any more money. We're not going to um, give in to the salary increase that the NHS is asking for. We're not going to reverse um, the two child benefit stuff. So certainly people weigh these things up. The economic situation is very difficult. The Prime Minister has been clear as to why they're doing that, or the Bank of England to do that, to bring inflation down and try not to erode um, those savings. And I think that, yeah, that there's a high in the first place because Liz Truss mucked up so bad. So again, that's the that's question of the Conservative record. Well, at the end of the day, Liz Truss didn't set the federal interest rates, did she? I mean, global central banks have been um, increasing their rates. But what's your message? Why vote Conservative again when you've been in power for 13 years and the country is where it is? What's the message? Well, the message is, is taking responsible economic strategy after you've had such a massive financial hit through the pandemic of half a trillion pounds of borrowing, which has now got an interest rate greater than some government departments. People recognise, and certainly conversations I had, is that they recognise there is no money to be spent on other things. So they want to hear from Labour, well, you say you're going to change things, but where's the money coming from from that? And then it's, well, we're not going to spend any money. And so really it's about... Is the government just ignoring the issues facing the economy? No. Is it taking tough decisions? Yes. And you know, what do people want their um, governments to do? They want them to take tough decisions. Are you brassed off to any extent that things took the turn that they did in the neighbouring constituency and that Nigel Adams, for no good reason that I could see, decided to stand down? 
no, I, I don't think I do make those comments. Ultimately, it's one of those strange things where it seems to be the only job in the world that if you resign from it, all hell breaks loose. People, I'm sure, have their own reasons as to why they do it. I, I, I haven't spoken to Nigel personally, although I've known him 20, 25 years. You know, he, he made that decision and, and, and that's his decision. I've been round several villages um, sort of in this Ainsley part of the constituency. Um, we've got, you know, right from North Deaton right down to Appleton Roebuck and all the villages in between. I've been literally walking 10, 12 miles a day, delivering, talking to people. That's 30% of the seat. And I found that to be very positive. Okay. The other 70% of the seat I've not been into, so I wouldn't know what was going on in those areas. But you think you can win? I see there's no reason why we wouldn't win. Great. Brilliant. Thank you. Nice to meet Thank you. Thank you for being Thanks graciously for so not, not minding us winding down the car door. It's a bit like being in a film, right? Because here we are in this very quiet, large village of Church Fenton, and the place is crawling with canvases. And MPs, you know, you're down there. It's the middle of the day, there's no one around, and the first person you run into is a Tory MP, right? By-elections create very unreal sort of experiences. It's very funny, though, isn't it? It's not... It, suddenly this sort of surreal reality descends where it's perfectly normal to be standing in a little quiet residential avenue and the place is teeming with politicos. <laughs> and we won't have been the first team of journalists to go around knocking on people's doors. Of course we won't. Because it's Monday afternoon, it's pretty quiet here. But we do meet Matt, who works in finance. Well, I'm going to vote on Thursday. Yep. Do you know who you're going to vote for? No. I've got all the bump. I like the ideas, some of the ideas that the local Labour guys are saying. Um, I've enjoyed previously what some of the Tories were doing, but given what happened over the last few years, and particularly Partygate, which given how much it impacted everyone else, is proper knocking my nose out joint and I don't really? feel yeah. Have you voted Conservative in the past? I've voted both. Red right. and blue in the past. Right. And coming from North East, being heavily red. Yeah. To vote blue was a challenge. Okay. But you have voted Conservative. What and, and then Partygate and, and Boris Johnson's fall came along and that really did it for you with the sound of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I thought he did a cracking job during COVID. I then felt very, that some of it was quite disingenuine when all the information came out recently. Okay. Are there other things about life day to day that, 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 that are in your thoughts politically? I think it's, uh, you're voting for the least bad person. Um, I think the challenge around the economy is it doesn't matter who you're voting now, a lot of the policies are already in place. Nice. And the fact that Rishi Sunak has come along and says that he's different and he's a new broom and he's not Boris Johnson and he's here to restore integrity and all of that, are you persuaded to any extent by that? No. I, I, I think he's trying to do a good enough job. Um, my challenge would be for someone who's coming from the background he has, does he know what real-life person goes through? You mean because he he's privately educated and is he very, very wealthy? No, no I am... Um, it's the wealth side. I think it's the understanding of what some of the less well-off go through. And I'll go back to when um, the politicians were being challenged, how much was a loaf of bread, how much was a pint of milk cost, yeah. and, they, and they couldn't get it. And I, how can someone of that level understand what the average Joe's going through? What do you think of Keir Starmer? Getting close to being the best of a bad bunch. When I talk to people who are going to vote Labour, who perhaps didn't at the last election, it still feels to me as if their support for the party is remarkably soft. 
There's a sense of Keir Starmer and his approach not really seizing people's imaginations. And there's another aspect of the contest in Selby and Ainsley. The feeling that Labour is partly counting on Tory voters not coming out to vote at all. As often happens in by-elections, turnout may well be pretty low. And Rishi Sunak's biggest problem may not be Tory voters changing sides, but sitting on their hands because they're so disillusioned with the party they usually support. That actually looks set to be a big part of all three of this week's by-elections. So, this probably will be a change moment, but in the most understated, strange way. In fact, the overwhelming mood of people we've spoken to, not just in Selby and Ainsley, but also in Somerton and Froome and Uxbridge and South Ryslip, hasn't been one of huge enthusiasm for Labour, which is, let's not forget, 20 points ahead in the polls. Instead, the most noticeable feature of the public mood is a deep weariness, not just with the Conservatives and all the chaos and turbulence of the last few years, but politics and politicians in general. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, make sure you subscribe to Politics Weekly UK wherever you get your podcasts and please leave us a review. This episode was produced by Frankie Toby. The music is by Axel Cacoutier and the executive producers are Maz Ebtahaj and Nicole Jackson. This is The Guardian. 